fearless compassion just enables people to say what's actually the reason behind this and before judgments come in and before everything else sets in and fearless compassion to be able to say am I willing to give an incarcerated person a second chance am I willing to understand that they may stumble a bit but that's just what we all do as humans what can I do to help support them on their journey forward welcome to sheeo.world a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Please sit back and be prepared to be inspired. Hi, Helen. Thrilled to have you here today for our first podcast together. Tell us a little bit about you and your business. Well, I never expected to be in prison later on in my life, but that's where I find myself. Luckily, I get to leave every day as well. So oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So my name is Helen Black. I'm the Managing Director of Work Restart. We specifically work with incarcerated people to help them restart their lives. It's a massive problem, not just in Australia, across the world, incarceration. And what we really have is a lot of people that just need a bit of a hand to step back into society and can contribute wonderful things when they do that. That's our mission, is to reduce recidivism rates wherever we operate to best practice across the world. That's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about like the background behind this issue? recidivism, like how our structures, we talk a lot at CEO about systems being broken and need to be redesigned. Can you tell us a little bit about the problem behind this? Yeah, I think, I think the hardest thing is what we find is that drugs is at least 80% of the reason that people are behind bars. So, you know, it's just insidious. There is all sorts of reoffending tends to occur in people that have been disadvantaged to start with in most cases. And they're not generally the sorts of people that we see on TV that scare the hell out of us. They're actually just normal people who have had a bit of a bad start in life and made some silly choices and just given the right role models and pathways forward, they can actually contribute effectively. Reoffending rates in Australia are 46%. So that means that the system isn't quite working because it's supposed to be about rehabilitation, but half the people will reoffend and be back inside again within two years of release. In America, they're closer to 75%. And the best practice in the world is actually Norway, which is still 20%, but there's a wide difference between those two things. So if we've actually got systems that are looking at rehabilitation from day one, which is what the Scandinavian countries have, then they're far more effective in helping people to reclaim their lives, but on the same token, create safer communities. So that's really where we're focused. I suppose we're employment-based. So we are really looking at that employment side because we know it's a lead indicator of whether they will reoffend or not. So what do you do that's different, that's having success? What we try to do is look at innovative industries inside prisons. So industries have always been inside prisons from day one, but the chain gang, look at all of those old movies and, and that sort of work. That's not rehabilitative work. It's not actually connecting people to their future. So what we look at doing is looking at really innovative things. So we established Australia's first digital studio inside a prison and that helps people that are actually really engaged and can contribute positively in that area when they get outside. But it's also looking at collaborative partnerships. So where are the job opportunities? How can we work with employers and social enterprises and other people on the outside to create collaborative partnerships so that they're 
learning skills and training on the inside in a really positive role model environment because we're all about future. We don't care about past. We're about where they need to go forward to. Using that collaborative approach, we find that we have really great results. So many things I want to ask you. So <laughs> a couple of things like, how did you get into this? Is it a path that we want to take? And then I also really want to know like some stories of walk us through what this is like in operations. Yeah. So as I said, I never expected to be in prison <laughs> later on in my life. Really, I just sort of came to this about four years ago. So my background hasn't been in social work. It hasn't been in incarceration. It hasn't been in anything to do with prisons, which I actually see as a benefit because I've been looking at it with fresh eyes, in different eyes than somebody who maybe has been in the system for a long while. It all started when uh, one of the government, state governments in Australia wanted to do things differently. They were unfortunately opening another prison because uh, everywhere seems to have increasing incarceration rates rather than going the other way. And they just said, okay, we need to look at this problem differently because the reoffending rates have remained the same pretty much for the last 10, 20 years or so. So what we're doing isn't working. So we were able to work as part of a collaborative co-working group to look at well, what could be some of the solutions. We specifically focus on that employment side. There's other providers, co-providers in the system that are looking at the education side. And of course, the psychological and mindset side is just as critical. What we try to do is be able to have people apply the skills that they learn within a safe working environment things around anger management, learning how to deal with stress, resilience, all sorts of things in a day-to-day -day environment. And I think that's what really works because people can go on a program for 10 weeks and go, wow, that's fantastic. But then if you don't get the opportunity to apply those skills, you really don't learn them, you don't retain them, and all of that learning has gone to waste. So we operate a normal work environment, Monday to Friday, 8 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon, they learn skills, they have real world work experience, and they learn to apply those soft skills in a safe environment. That is really cool. So do you have a story of someone that sits with you as, that really makes you happy about the work you're doing? Yeah, actually, there's many. Probably one of the first ones that really woke me up to the power of looking at this in a different way was a gentleman who has tats all over him. <laughs> He's just, um, you know, the sort of person that some people might be a bit afraid to run into in, in a dark alley. But he had been known to be a troublemaker within the centre. He came into our digital area and was just amazing. He, he was a duck to water. So he was a welder, a fitter and turner welder on the outside, had been brought up in a bit of a criminal environment and was in there for quite a serious crime. Bit of a lad, I suppose. He came into our digital area and he just took up virtual reality like nothing else. So we were teaching virtual reality. And I think the day that it really dawned on me, the power of connecting people with what they can see their future to be was that I was looking at his work. I'm, I'm not a tech person, so I, wasn't, I certainly wasn't teaching this. And I just said, oh, well, that's really good. And here's this grown man, tats all over and bald head, jumped out of his seat and just was, oh, oh, oh. It occurred to me at that point in time that he hasn't been told how good he is at something many times in his life or the things that he's been told that he's good at are things that really aren't necessarily what we want to have, you know, people in society being good at. So his ability to stick with it, he's been there now for three years because he's in for quite a serious crime. So he's been with us for a while. 
His learning has just gone through the roof. He has just changed so much in terms of his behaviour. He teaches other people. He's a fantastic person. Any employer would love to have him as an employee in their work environment. And this is the power of creating opportunities for people to see themselves in a different light when they actually get out and connecting in with that part of them that really resonates to the, I suppose, their own purpose. If you've worked in a job that you find is meaningless, then, you know, where does your purpose sit? Whereas when you can connect to that thing that actually makes your heart sing, it's amazing the redemptive power of that. So how does your business model work? Well, we are self-funded, but yes, <laughs> sometimes can be very tricky. So yeah, essentially our business model is that we have industries areas inside the prisons. We work with social enterprises, not-for-profits and some for-profit organisations. They place work inside that helps us train and provide real-world work experience. We get some funding from that work that comes inside and that pays for our staffing and our programs and things like that. So the benefit of that system is that rather than that, the value exchange is what we look at for people that we're working with. So fundamentally in Australia, legally, prisoners are not allowed to earn an income. So we have to look at a value exchange in a different way. And that value is, are you getting educated? Are you actually getting value out of being in our areas? And we know that there is because we have massive waiting lists to be able to come into our areas. People are getting jobs when they get out from our areas and all sorts of other things. So we know that the value equation sits there for the people we're working with. And the best part of that as well is it sits there for the companies because they're actually able to use funds that would have gone overseas to be able to help Australian people because we're based in Australia at the moment restart their lives. Well, and they may find future workers too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Is it long-term? Like how, how do you measure success? yourself in this organization? Yeah, success is to us a very fundamental thing, which is has somebody reoffended or not? So that's a two-year time frame. We also operate off a theory of change, which looks at what do we see as the core elements that we can influence in our areas, because we can't do everything, but what are the core elements that we can do and how do we apply those in the context of our environment. So our theory of change looks at self-determination, which is autonomy, it's competency and belonging. So we look at those three things and say, how are we actually developing those skill sets or developing those measures with inside our work? And is that effective as well? So we've only really just worked on our theory of change due to COVID because we've had a little bit of time to be able to do things. I suppose it's just articulating what we've been doing organically into a much more measured system of how we actually implement change and how we track it so that if things aren't working, we can actually be more proactive about addressing those things in, in a timely manner. And what is your favourite part of what you're doing? Being able to see people empower themselves to make change. When somebody stepped over that line, we can only do so much. There's work for them to do. They've got to work on themselves. They've got to work, often work on their family. They've got to work to be able to get that trust back in the community. And that takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of resilience to be able to do that as well. So our job is really just to say, here's an environment with which you can empower yourself. We can't do this work for you. 
but we will be standing beside you as you do this work yourself. We're here to catch you if you fall and all the other bits and pieces. So to me, the thing that's most empowering is when you see somebody have hope that their future can be different and be able to be strong enough to implement that when they're outside as well. When you started to do this work, were you modeling yourself on something else you saw? Or was this just fresh walking in and trying something? I think it was a couple of things. Some of it's been fresh walk-in, try it. I've been really lucky to receive a Westpac Social Change Fellowship, which is in Australia. It's a system that enables a number of people per year to actually look at best practice across the world. So because we operate on three different streams, so digital futures, we look at entrepreneurial futures, and we actually also look at a construction and sort of light manufacturing futures. So trying to get a nice breadth of different sorts of opportunities, I was able to have a look at some of the best practice that exists in America and in the UK and another in Singapore, et cetera, across the world in doing this. I think that, so it's been a bit of both. We don't want to reinvent the wheel if something already exists, but we also have to look at where, how it's applied within our context and where we actually take that forward as well. So we have Australia's first solid entrepreneurial program that's running inside the prison that we operate where we get CEOs and directors and founders of successful organisations coming in. And that was modelled off some of the great work that's being done in America on this area. But some of the things we've sort of looked at and seen opportunities and go, this is where we think that there is actually some opportunity for us to be innovative in this area as well. So yeah, it's a bit of both really. Look at best practice and then actually move that forward and also look at creating best practice as well. From what my experience of traveling around the world, we're the only people who actually have, I suppose, created a social enterprise and, and sort of looked at what we're doing inside as a long, long area and extending that back outside as well. So that's a bit, so we're innovators to a certain extent as well, which is a bit exciting. Well, you are absolutely yeah. innovators. That's why Activators picked you and we're so excited yeah. about what you're doing. And I remember talking to you about this. I just find it incredibly fascinating, the work that you're doing. And as we sort of step back and look at the systems we have in place, and you talked about this at the beginning with 75% recidivism rates or reoffending rates in the US, and then 20 is the other side, right? With Norway. So that's the range. So from 20% to 70%. And the difference there is just the focus. The focus is either punishment or rehabilitation. So if, if you have a punishment-focused incarceration system, that's the outcome. If you have a rehabilitation-focused system, then the other side is the outcome. What you focus on is what you get. Shocking. What you focus right? on is what you Hello. get. Yeah. Well, if you, if you treat people, I mean, the reality is, is if I was to ask you, what would it take you to step over that line and break the law? Most people would probably say, I wouldn't. But the reality is, is we all would at some point, you just have to look at history, look at Nazi Germany and all sorts of other things. There's, we all would at some point. So what's happened in somebody's life to make them step over that line? And what's been the trauma? What's been their experiences? What's been their lack of self-esteem? What's been everything else that has led to that point? So if we're not addressing those things, then that's always going to keep on recurring. So being able to sit there and say, we believe in, in humans to actually be able to be fantastic contributors to society. And when you have somebody all of a sudden saying, we believe in you and what you can offer and your talents, then they start to believe that themselves. But hope is that critical element there that I can actually be something different. 
Totally. I think when you're bringing this work in, and part of the thing is you're creating the conditions for people to find a purpose, to step into something that's different, which is incredibly powerful. If you sort of step back, looking at everything that you've seen, where the systems are, if you were to start over again, and we had some kind of system where someone stepped over a line, have you thought about how you might redesign that experience? Yeah. And this is a really interesting question because people will often say, why are you just working with incarcerated people? Shouldn't we actually be working with people before they reach the system? And I agree that that is fundamentally where things need to change. So from that perspective, if somebody steps over the line, what support are we wrapping around that person at that point? Or or even if they're at risk of doing that, what is the support we wrap around that person? Incarceration in Australia costs $106,000 a year. So surely the better use of that money is actually putting some things in place that are actually going to help that person not step over that line or or stop stepping over that line. So I think from a really big systems perspective, there needs to be more support around people who are looking, are at risk of incarceration or at risk of offending. I think also fundamentally at a really top level, we have to say what does society value? Because as soon as society keeps on saying we value commercialism, then the reality is is people who have nothing are never able to feel like they're part of society. Whereas if society was saying we value contribution, it doesn't matter what you've got because everybody can contribute. So having a commercialised focused society, I don't think helps because it actually just puts temptation there and says, well, you're nobody until you're driving that nice car. Well, that's just bullshit as far as I'm concerned, that we we can all deliver value in our own way. So that's at a really top level. Next level is actually working with somebody who stepped over that line or is about to and wrapping immediate support around them and putting the funding into doing that. From our perspective, what we're trying to do is we know that incarceration is becoming intergenerational. We want to not leave people behind that have actually fallen into that area. So we're focused on that at the moment. There's other programs that do the outside stuff in terms of the preventing. We want to make our system in Australia the best in the world and then be able to pull that out across the world to be able to say this is our best way to ensure that we're not spending heaps of money in this area. Yes, there are absolutely people who need to be behind bars for community's sake, but we're looking at less than 0.2% of incarcerated people. So the, the system needs to change so that everybody has an opportunity to be able to live their best life and be supported in doing that. Honestly, when I hear these stories, I'm just like, we need to redesign everything. Yay, women, go. The lovely Monica Bradley, who is an activator in Australia, was one of our first mentors coming in on our entrepreneurial program. And of course, Mon went to, we need to set up prisons as social enterprises. We need to have a completely different philosophy. And I agree with that too. It would be fantastic to get there, but there's such a cultural shift that needs to sit around that as well. So the other part of this is if there's a lot of rhetoric around tough on crime, and I get where that's coming from. All of our staff have been victims of crime. 
Some of them have been, you know, have had family members that have been victims of quite horrific crimes. So we get where it's coming from and people do have to be accountable for their actions. But we have to understand what's driving those actions and then be able to work on that rather than just being saying, well, I'm going to be tough on that. Because without understanding, we can't move forward. We can't go anywhere else than what we currently have. It'd be wonderful to have a social enterprise prison, which is just all around a nurturing environment to move people forward. But public has to be able to accept that as well. So there's a lot of work that has to be done from everybody in society, not just incarcerated people. Yeah. I mean, I just loved how you started at the top and sort of came down levels, but this rethinking what we value is really the starting point. What is it that we're going to value for humans and for a life-sustaining society? We cannot continue to monetize every single ounce of everything. No, no. Just extracted everything. Yeah. And then that's the only value somebody has. That's the only way value of a person is, is determined. That's, yeah, we're setting ourselves up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. So that's over. That's how I feel anyway. That that world is unraveling in front of us every day. And we're sort of between worlds on the way to whatever's coming next. And so I'm very thankful that you are showing us the way into the new world with your model. It's really amazing. And I know that the activators in the community are so excited to support you and watch you grow. And I wonder for the listeners that are part of this, is there an ask that you have for people who are listening today? Uh, fearless compassion. To be honest, that's what the activators showed by actually putting their faith behind what we do, because it is gritty. If you've been a victim of crime, fearless compassion is very hard because you're so close to things. But there's so, I think fearless compassion just enables people to say, what's actually the reason behind this? And before judgments come in and before everything else sets in and fearless compassion to be able to say, am I willing to give an incarcerated person a second chance? Am I willing to understand that they may stumble a bit, but that's just what we all do as humans. What can I do to help support them on their journey forward? So yeah, my ask is fearless compassion. And we have to apply that every day. And I have to apply it to myself sometimes as well. When I don't quite get things right off, when, if I become judgmental, I can say, well, okay, I need to apply this to myself as well <laughs> in, this, in this case. Totally. I mean, that's my, your word, fearless compassion, my, like is radical generosity, same thing, right? It's like inside and outside, practice towards others, but to yourself is hugely important too. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your fearless compassion and for the innovation that you are tracking in the world and the impact that you're having. And we can't wait to see your model expand all over. So thank you very much for you. Thanks, Vicky. And thanks for the support of CEO. It's our pleasure. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about SHEEO, please visit us at SHEEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.